0: Several years ago, a preacher accepted a call to pastor a church in Houston, Texas. Now, some weeks after he arrived, he had an occasion to ride the bus from his home to his downtown area. When he sat down, he discovered that the driver, who also is the conductor, had accidentally returned to him one dollar extra as change. He thought about it and said, I would better return this dollar. It does not belong to me. And it would be wrong to keep it. But then he also thought, oh, forget it. It's only a dollar. Why would anybody worry about such a small amount? After all, the bus company is always robbing people of their money. So let me just accept it as a little gift from God and keep quiet about it he sat in the bus and went on and when he reached his destination he walked towards the door ready to get off and right at that moment just as he was going to get off he turned to the driver and said friend you gave me an extra dollar as change and I want to return that to you and he returned it the driver with a smile said aren't you the new preacher in town yes he replied. Well, I have been thinking a lot lately about going somewhere to worship. I just wanted to see what you would do if I gave you too much change. I'll see you in church on Sunday. When the preacher stepped off the bus, he literally grabbed the nearest light pole. He held on to it and said, Oh God, I almost betray Jesus Christ for a dollar. Our lives are the only Bible some people will ever read. This is a scary example of how much people watch us as Christians and will put us often to the test. Always be on guard and remember, you carry the name of Christ on your shoulders when you call yourself Christian. What is your testimony at home? What is your testimony in the office? What is your testimony in the marketplace? Think about that. And please turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. And we shall read verses 13 to 16. Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Shall we pray? Gracious Father, we thank you once again, Lord Father, for you have spoken and we have heard. And we will continue to hear as you speak, Lord. Father God, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds to receive what you have to say to us this day, Lord. And Father God, even as you speak and even as we listen, I pray, Lord, that each one of us will see the change that needs to be made and see the way you want us to go, Lord, and walk accordingly. We thank you that you have chosen to speak to us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, if we go back two verses... And read verse 11 of Matthew 5. This is what it is written. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. And say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. That is verse 11. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you. And when they say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. This verse, verse 11, describes the attitude of the world towards the people of God. You will often find that that's the way the world is looking at you. They are reviling you, they are persecuting you, because you say that you are the child of of the living God. Because you say that you will not do certain things that they are doing. Because you say that you will not go to some places. Where they want you to go. And they call you the Holy One. They mock you. Because that's what it says. That's what Jesus said. He said they will do that. And that's the way the world looks at us. But in verses 13 to 15, Jesus describes the attitude, you and I have to develop and display to the world. You and I are not expected to display verse 11 to the world. You and I are expected to display verses 13 to 16 to the world. You are the salt of this earth. You are the light. That is what you and I are called to do today. What we are called to do is diametrically opposite of what the world does to us. But that is what our God expects from us. His standards are different. And He expects to follow a different standard. So actually, what is God asking us to do today? He's simply telling us, be the salt, be the light. Today we shall focus on the salt, not the light. That's for some other day. And therefore, the title of today's message is The Salty Christian. The salty Christian. That's what we're going to talk about. Now, most of us like salt. And many of us have this habit of adding salt to our food before we have even tasted it. Today, we use salt mainly to enhance the flavor of food. But in the past, salt was much more than that, it was a very precious commodity. Salt was used as money. In many wars, soldiers were paid part of their salary as salt. And the word salary comes from salt. That's the root derivation. So salt was a very precious commodity of barter, of exchange. Salt was used as a preservative. In many of our homes where we used to preserve things, when we make pickles, we need salt. Salt is a preservative. It keeps things without spoiling. We know that salt is a flavoring agent. It adds taste to the food that we eat. Food without salt is tasteless. So it is a flavoring agent. Salt has been used as a weapon. Many of us will know, if we know our Indian history, that there was something called the salt satyagraha. When Gandhi used salt as a means of making life difficult for the British before they were asked to leave the country. So salt was used as a weapon. Cities have developed because of salt. That great city in England, Liverpool, became famous and became as big as what it is today. Simply because there were plenty of salt quarries all around Liverpool. And Liverpool became a port for salt. So that city grew into what it is today because of salt. So salt has been a very, very precious substance in the past. Not just that little thing that we add to the food today. Now the Bible gives us more insight into the importance of salt. It was a symbol of unchanging, incorruptible purity. And we'll talk about that as we go along. Do you know that there is something in the Bible called the covenant of salt? We read of different covenants in the Old Testament. And one of the covenants that we find, a covenant which God made with man, is called the covenant of salt. It is mentioned in three places in the Bible. Leviticus chapter 2 verse 13. Turn with me to the book of Leviticus, chapter 2, verse 13. And every offering of your grain offering, you shall season with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offering, you shall offer salt. Again in Numbers, chapter 18, verse 19. Numbers 18 verse 19 All the heave offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offer to the Lord I have given to you and to your sons and daughters with you as an ordinance forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord with you and with your descendants with you. And again in 2nd Chronicles chapter 13 verse 5 2nd Chronicles chapter 13 verse 5 Should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave dominion over Israel to David forever, to him and his sons by a covenant of salt. So salt is of immense value because it was a substance used by God to mark covenants. And covenants are not meant to be broken. Covenants mark permanency. They indicate something that is permanent. Once you make a covenant, that's why for Christian marriages, we don't have marriage um, — what is that? Contracts. We don't have marriage contracts. What do we have? It's a covenant. It's a covenant. So covenant, the word covenant, let's be careful about that. The covenant stands for permanency. And salt covenants indicate permanency. So salt is not some simple substance that we just keep in our kitchen shelves or sometimes on our dining room tables and uh, take a pinch of it and put it here and there and everywhere else. Many of you who come from India will recognize that on in so many of the festivals of the Hindus, when they serve a meal, the first thing they will keep on your plate is salt. It's usually a leaf. And the thing that they place, poor family, rich family, whatever family, the thing they will keep is salt. Because salt indicates the permanency of your friendship at that point of time. Let's move on with salt. So, what does the Bible really tell us about salt? And remember, every character of salt that we are going to talk about here is what Jesus expects you and I to be. When he says in Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of this earth. So, there are certain characters of salt that we need to know. Because those are the characters Christ is talking about when he says you are the salt of the earth. It was not the simple flavoring, go and flavor everybody. No, there's much deeper meaning to salt when he says, you are the salt of the earth. I've mentioned this in the past and I'll mention it again. The New Testament is hidden in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. In other words, whatever is mentioned in the New Testament has a counterpart in the Old Testament. And whatever is mentioned in the Old Testament has an explanation in the New Testament. Number one, as we have already said, salt represents permanence. Salt is one of the earliest preservatives known to man. Its effect is meant to last forever. In Numbers 18.9 and Second Chronicles 13.5, two verses that we read, you read the word forever associated with the covenant of salt. When they talk about David, he says forever. This clearly indicates that God is not talking about some short-term commitment, but God is talking about a long-term relationship. There is permanence in salt. We are called to be his permanent representative. So when God says you are the salt of the earth, that means that you and I are called to be his permanent representative in this earth we are not expected to change our allegiance every alternate day where does the wind blow that's where my allegiance is that's not what God expects of us when he says you are the salt of the earth and if you say that you are the salt of the earth it indicates that whatever be the situation whatever be the circumstance your allegiance is to God and to God alone to no one else We are not expected to be salty Christians only on Fridays or Sundays, depending on where you stay. Or in the presence of other salty Christians. We are expected to be salty Christians throughout the week. We are not expected to lose our flavor from Saturday to Thursday and come back and become salty on Friday alone. Permanent. Salt gives permanence and therefore we are expected to have a permanent relationship with God and we are to be His permanent representatives doing what He wants us to do all the time, not when we feel like it. Number two, salt is a purifier. The Hebrews had a custom of rubbing salt on the skin of every newborn baby in order to purify it and keep the baby protected from germs. In fact, there was a study which was done a long time back uh, in the Middle East, where rubbing of salt on newborn babies was a custom. And uh, modern hospitals, in the great wisdom that modern hospitals and doctors and uh, all these research people have got, they decided that salt is a very rural practice. Let's get rid of the salt and we will use research identified chemical substances for disinfection and uh, whatever. Okay. And so the salt went out. They used other things. And we have that in hospitals today. Long sounding names which are very difficult to pronounce. Okay. But we have those. The end result of that, in that study, they found that the incidence of infections in children went up immediately after the change. And when they went back to a control study of taking off the chemicals and putting the salt back, the infection rate went down. And that is why you still find in rural practices, in many countries of the world, they use salt to purify. Many of us who are sophisticated, highly educated, we go to western-style hospitals where the problem is they have forgotten old practices and the rate of infection is higher. Thank you very much. That's the way it is. Okay? Right, so salt is a purifier. We too are expected to be pure, even though we live in a filthy world. That filth should not rub off on us. We need to be the salt of the earth. We need to have salt in us, and therefore that filthiness does not get into us. That's what we, that's why God says, you are the salt of the earth. The filth of the world should never be able to penetrate your skin and my skin. Your saltiness must keep you pure in order to do the work of God. Number three, salt is a healer. It is a custom in many parts of the world, especially in the Middle East, that when you settle a dispute with your neighbor, you would invite your neighbor inside your home to share a dish of salt. Each person whose had enmity, but who have now decided to overcome that enmity, would come together, wet their finger, dip it together into a bowl of salt, and then taste it. It indicated an end to differences, and a commitment to long-term friendship. It's meant to be a healer. It heals relationships. It's an indicator of a healed relationship. In this world, you and I are not called to be quarreling with each other. Rather, as Jesus tells us in Mark 9, the second part of verse 50, have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Have salt in yourself and have peace with one another. Turn also with me to 2 Kings chapter 2 and let's read verses 19 to 22. 2 Kings chapter 2. Verses 19 to 22. Then the men of the city said to Elisha, Please notice, the situation of this city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground barren. And he said, Bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source of the water and cast in the salt there and said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From it, there shall be no more death or barrenness. Salt brings healing. Number four, salt produces thirst. If you were to go to a shopping mall and buy some popcorn or some potato chips or whatever chips they have, you always find that it is slightly salty. Now, that is a pure business tactic. Okay, because as you eat that potato chips with the salt in it, it makes you thirsty. And when it makes you thirsty, what do you do? You need a drink. There's a bottle of water, or maybe a Pepsi, or a Coke, or whatever. So if that guy wants his business, he has to put some salt in your food. The businessman out there knows that salt makes you thirsty. Do we know that salt makes people thirsty? You see, we live in a spiritually dry world. A world that is looking for a drink that can satisfy them. When Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well, he did not bombard her with great theology. He just went there. And a little conversation took place, and then she said, Where can I find this living water? She was thirsting for living water. The world outside is thirsting for living water. And so, when Jesus says, Be the salt of this earth, he's only telling us there is a world out there which is thirsting for the truth. Give them the truth. You have the salt in you, give them. That drink of living water that's what they want and that's what we are called to do number five salt must be employed sparingly so we never overuse salt salt must be employed sparingly doctors keep telling us all the time that too much salt is bad for our health and believe me they are right Okay, let's accept that doctors can be right once in a while. Okay, they are right here. In Colossians 4, verse 6, Paul says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Our choice of words must bring healing and comfort to the hurting soul. It shouldn't be so salty as to cause disgust into who we are and disappointment in the God we serve. Our speech should be tasteful and moderate that the person to whom you are talking is looking forward to hearing more of those words from your mouth. Instead, if we go and bombard them and say, you are the greatest sinner and there is a place reserved for you in hell, And if you do not do this, and if you do not come for a baptism immediately, and I need to bury you in the water within the next 20 minutes, that guy will say, hell is better if you're not going to be there. We need to to be salty. But we don't have to be over salty. It isn't going to help the matter at all. If too much of salt is bad for our health, too much of salt is also going to be bad as we talk to other people. God says, you are the salt of this earth but you must know how to use that salt so when Jesus says you are the salt of this earth what does he expect from you and from me number one you are his permanent representative and what you do should be of eternal value you are his permanent representative and what you do should be of eternal value. And how you do it is 24-7. There is no specific working hours to being a salty Christian. It's a full-time task, number one. So when Christ says, you are the salt of the earth, what more does he expect from you and me? Your life should be a life of purity and holiness. The world is looking at us. You may be the only Bible that people are going to see. You may be the only way to Christ that people are looking at. What is the picture that you and I are portraying? People may be out looking to find faults with us. That doesn't matter. We need to focus on God and live pure and holy lives. Because that is what many people are going to see. I've spoken to a particular person in this compound on certain issues, and I'm not the only one who has spoken that number of things. And that person says, You need to see what is happening in all the churches who meet here. I will never become a Christian. What is the picture that we are portraying? Is it a picture of holiness? Is it a picture of purity? Is it a picture of love? Is it a picture of joy? Or is it a picture of backbiting? Is it a picture of theft? Is it a picture of dishonesty? Is it a picture of saying all kinds of things? Of gossip? Is it a picture of slandering each other? Is that the picture we are giving outside? Do we join with others in watching pornography on the net? Do we join with others in cracking bad jokes? Is that the picture that we are giving in order to feel accepted by those we are working with? Or, as Christ says, you are the salt of the earth. We need to demonstrate holiness and purity. That's number two. Number three, you need to be a healer. When I talk about you need to be a healer, let me please... uh, uh, Put a a condition to that. It's a standard practice which I have seen for the last 25 years, ever since I qualified as a medical practitioner. That everybody wants to be a healer. Qualified or unqualified. Everybody has enough advice to give on how to deal with your health situation. One person says drink water, the other person says don't drink water. One person says, walk upside down. The other person says, no, walk the other way. Okay? God says, you are called to be a healer. Now, forget the medical side of it. You can be a healer in many other ways. You can heal relationships. I went to India recently on holiday. And one of the things which kept cropping up all the time, my wife and myself... Was this family is in trouble? That family is in trouble. That wife is in trouble. This husband is in trouble. The divorce courts are, uh, you know, expanding. And we are not talking about Hindu families. We are talking about Christian families. Where is the healing touch that we need to have as Christians? You are the salt of the earth. Bring healing. That's what Christ is asking us to do. Heal broken relationships. You should speak to encourage and not to tear down. Your actions should bring peace and not chaos. That's what Christ is asking us to do. Number four. Why are you the salt on the earth? You need to be a channel through which the living water can flow into a dry And thirsty world. There has to be a channel through which water flows. If it doesn't, if there's no channel through which water flows, it's just going to go into the ground and get lost somewhere. And if you have received from Christ that living water, be the channel. Be a blessing to somebody else. Be a channel so that you can bring that living water to that thirsty soul. To that dying soul. That's what you and I are called to do. Number five, you need to show by the little things in your life that being a born again Christian does not mean a boring and dull life. Life with Christ is full of joy. Life with with Christ is full of happiness. Life with Christ is a life of satisfaction. It's a life of contentment. It's a life of peace. With Christ, you are and should be at all times an overcomer. So that's what you need to show. If you also join with your colleague in grumbling and mumbling and muttering and murmuring and saying that this government is bad. My government in India is terrible. Look at the scam, colgate gate. Okay, prior to that it was telephone, gate, whatever. Okay, telecommunication. There are a lot of gates in India. If we also join with them and start murmuring and muttering and saying, you know, I, this is due to me but it's not coming to me, my promotion is not coming to me, just like you. What's the difference between you and them? Christ never said that the difficulties are going to go away. They are going to be there. But you are an overcomer. Let the rest of the be under the problem. You will go and help them come out of that problem. That's what you and I are called to do. Not join them under the problem. These are just five characteristics. Probably if you study more, you will find that there are a lot more characteristics about salt that you and I need to practice in our life on a day-to-day basis. Now, Jesus, having said that we need to be the salt of the earth, he also gave us a warning. Because in Matthew 5, verse 13, he goes on to say, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So clearly, if we do not do what we are expected to do, it simply indicates that we have lost our saltiness. And the result of that loss of saltiness Is that we will be thrown out. Now in New Testament parlance. Whenever the words thrown out are used. They are often associated with being cast out. Into that place where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So if you are not the salty Christian that Christ intended you to be. You will be thrown out. That's the result. That's the warning. That's the warning. God tells us what we should do. And he says, if you don't, that's the problem. Now, before we close for today, going to move on into communion time. Let us also consider one other issue. Is there any prerequisite before we become salt of the earth? Is there anything that we need to do before we become salt of the earth? Yes, there is. And David understood that very well. Turn with me to Psalm 51. Verses 10 to 12. For many of you, you will not have to read these verses because you will know them by heart. We recite them, we speak them out, we sing them out. It's there on our lips at all times. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. That's the prerequisite which we all quote. Let me read that again. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away. Do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me. It's all about me. Because we forget to read verse 13. Now let's read verse 13. Create in me. Do all of that in me. And then in verse 13 it says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted in you, to you. You see, when we say, create in me a clean heart, do not take the Holy Spirit away from me, all that is fine. But we don't do the second part, which is, then I will show transgressors your ways. Then I will show transgressors your ways. And sinners shall be converted to you. It is not in- enough to be selfish and say, Create in me. Put in me. Do not take away from me. It's all about me. I want everything for me. There is me and me alone in this whole world. God says, yes, but you didn't read the next verse. Then, okay, so let's be careful that we do that also. That is the fulfillment of Christ's commission. He puts a clean heart in you. He puts the Holy Spirit in you. He upholds you. He sustains you. For what? For the second part which is then the transgressors shall know you. And that's by you and by me. It's our task. It's our commission. That is Christ's commission. And that is the fulfillment of Christ's commission. So please remember, as we end, as we move on into a time of communion, let's remember that Christ said you need to be the salt of this earth. But when he said you need to be the salt of this earth, it's not a very simple thing. There are characteristics of salt that we need to apply in our life. It's a permanent issue. It's something that we need to take care of our own selves. We need to look whether we are pure and holy. We need to be careful in our language. What is, are we healers? Do we encourage others? And we go on like this. That's what we are called to do. Shall we pray? Now in just a few minutes, many of us will walk forward to partake of the Lord's table. And as you come forward, ask yourself this question. Am I a salty Christian or has the saltiness left me? Am I doing what the Lord Jesus Christ asked me to do? Or have I just become a sponge, absorbing everything that comes my way but giving nothing in return? If you think that you have become a sponge, talk to the Lord. Tell Him that you want that flavor back in your life. That you are willing to go out and bring hope and joy and peace to a dying world. Continue to be in an attitude
1: of prayer.
2: Prepare our hearts, meditate the word, what God has spoken to us today. We are all called as a salt. And it's a commandment from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say, be is salt into the world and to the world. Another quality of the salt is the purity. The salt is in white in color. That makes us to understand that we should be pure in heart. That's what the scripture said. Salt is a solid thing. We should our faith should be solid in the Lord, in his word. Dear children of God. Are we salt to ourselves and to the world? Are you pure in your heart? Do we have faith in the Lord? Is a strong faith as of the salt. If we feel that you are not a stable, solid, pure salt, It's a time for you to ask the Lord and cry to Him. God is there, waiting upon you, besides you. Whatever you ask, God is there to listen to you and answer to you. It's a time to confess before Him. Pray for your song. Gracious Father, we thank you for the wonderful time that you have given to us. Thank you, Lord, that you have spoken to us from your word through your servant. Lord, we live only by your word. As you created the heavens and the earth by your very word, that word is given to us as your promise. Father, we are not only the promised Christian for the promise. Lord my God we are created by that word and we live by that word and we believe that word Lord my God we obey everything what you commanded us Yes Lord even in this day as an obedience of your word we are here in your house Father we cry unto you if we have any unforgiven sin in us please forgive us Forgive us a Lord. Cleanse us with the blood of your only Son Jesus Christ. Give us your grace. Lord, as the word says, our words should be seasoned with the salt, or seasoned with a grace. Yes, Lord. Not only in our words and our Lord, also in our deeds. We want to be a pure Christian to this world. Let the world know. That we are your children. We are the salt in this world. And we will season the whole world into the... Lord, bring the whole world into thy kingdom, O Father. The purpose of your chosen is not only enter into your kingdom, Lord, to bring the world into your kingdom. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for your servant. Lord, as you are going to take part in this table, once again we commit ourselves before you. Lord, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds. Help us to be a worthy children to take part in this service, O oh Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's turn to our Bibles, to First Corinthians chapter 11, from verses 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 from verse 23 For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take, it. this is my body which is broken for you do this In remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and thick among you and many are asleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. This is also not as a ritual, but this is another ordinances God put in the church. This table is prepared for the children of God. And this is as it is written. It is another covenant which God made. As we heard, God made a covenant with the salt. And here, God made a covenant with his own blood of his son, Jesus Christ. God wants us. To remember, by doing this, remember the death, burial, resurrection, and the coming of the Lord. And also God wants us to to proclaim this word to the world until the Lord comes. So, the dear children of God, this table is kept before us. Those who have accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior and obeyed the Lord, are eligible to take part in this table. So, please prepare once again, look unto the Lord, thank the Lord for the privilege what God has given to us, and thank the bread and wine which is kept before us, and take part in this table. Let's close our eyes. Once again, take and thank the Lord. Gracious Father, once again we thank you Our hearts are filled with the love and the gratitude unto you. Because you loved us, you gave your only Son, Jesus Christ, to this world. Put him on the cross by shedding his precious blood. Lord, you saved us. Father, we became your children. It is only because of your Son, Jesus. As we are going to take part in this table, bless that table of Father which came before us. As we are going to take part in this, Lord help us to remember the death, suffering, suffering, death, burial, resurrection of your son Jesus Christ. More than that, coming of you, your coming of Father. Dear Lord my God, prepare us once again, Lord even in this time, forgive all our sins. Prepare your children. When we are coming together, we identify ourselves. We are one body. We are one family. As we are going to take part, we are one in spirit, one in love, one in faith, and we will wait upon you alone, O Father. In Jesus' most exalted name, we pray. Mm -hmm. As the Ashes are guiding, please cooperate with them and come in the order as they are directing you. Thank you.
3: Fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord. I come, feel it
1: all
3: amid me Feel my cup Lord feel my cup Lord I lift it up Lord come and quench you thirst of my soul. Oh, blood of my blood. With me still I want no more. Yes, my thought spread it all and make me whole. The blood of Jesus set me free From sin and sorrow The blood of Jesus set me free From shame I reproach The blood of Jesus set me free. From shame I reproach. The blood of Jesus set me
1: free.
3: From money I we bear. The blood of Jesus set me free. From money I we bear. The blood of Jesus set me free. From lack and poverty, the blood of Jesus set me free. From from lack and poverty, the blood of Jesus set me free. From pain and sickness The blood of Jesus Set me free From pain and sickness The blood of Jesus Set me free From guilt and suffering the blood of Jesus set me free. From guilt and suffering. the blood of Jesus set me free. From failure and defeat, the blood of Jesus set me free. From failure and defeat, the blood of Jesus set me free. From sin and sorrow, the blood of Jesus set me free. From sin and sorrow, the blood of from Jesus, set me free. from shame of Jesus, the, the of Jesus, Jesus me free. From shame reproach, the blood of Jesus, set me free. From shame reproach, the blood of Jesus, the blood of how Weeping the, the blood of Jesus has been free from body. How weeping the blood of Jesus has been free from lack and of poverty. The blood of Jesus set me free from from lack and poverty. The blood of of Jesus set me free free. from pain and sickness. The blood of Jesus set me free. free. From pain and sickness, the blood of Jesus sets me free.
4: Let us stand up, please. As you are standing, I just want you to raise your hands to the Lord and thank the Lord for the renewal of the covenant of life that you have entered into today. I want you to tell Him that this month and up to the end of this year is a time of renewal in your life, in your situation, in your ministry, in your assignment for Him. I want you to agree with Him today that you will start to tell people about the salts that you carry. You will start to tell people about the difference that God wants to use you to make in their lives. I need you to start to agree with the Lord that this year, 2012, which is the year of his government, that his government will be established in every area of your life, in every area of the lives of the men and the women and the families that you will come in contact with. As you are praying that prayer, I believe that the Lord is making a difference in your life. Because the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of bulls and of rats and it sets free, it delivers, it opens effectual and great doors and the Lord is just waiting for you and if we can agree with him, you will see greatness, wonders in the lives of the men and women you come in contact with. Father, we give you praise. We worship you. We reverence you, Lord, because what we have done today, Father, goes beyond the physical, it is supernatural. Because, Lord, by the flesh and the blood we have taken, we have entered a covenant of renewal with you. And by the reason of that covenant, our life will not remain the same. Our assignment will not remain the same. Our ministry will not remain the same. Father, men and women that we come in contact with, they will know that indeed we serve a living God. And that God is the one that took on the flesh of man and died on the cross. And by the reason of his death. We are saved from death. We are saved from destruction. Father, grant us the wisdom and the boldness to step out and to show that indeed we are citizens of heaven. Glory be to you, mighty Father. You are worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name we have prayed. We glorify you, Lord, because, Father, we enter a week of greatness. September is a month of judgment against those that are standing against us. But Lord, we ask that before they are judged, we will have another opportunity to tell them about your son Jesus, so that they will not perish. But Lord, this year is the year of your government. Let your government be established in every area of our lives, and of those that we come in contact with. We glorify you. In Jesus' name we have prayed. That we share the grace. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy is following us all the days of our lives. And we are dwelling in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you as you go in Jesus' name.